Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to Point and Click Radio, the bi-weekly computer show. I'm Bob Lawton. I'm Jim Hyde. And I'm Toby Molina from the Point and Click Research Desk. And this is the bi-weekly computer show here on Way X, where we bring you the latest computer news and answer your computer questions. And we're going to start off tonight's show with, um, well, first of all, to say Happy New Year, Bob. Um, Happy New Year, Jim. Yeah, January went by in a heartbeat, didn't it? Didn't it, though? Yeah. Yeah. It's good, to, it's, good to, it's good for all of us to be together, at least in a virtual way, which so many of us are together these days anyway. Right. Um, we did a show uh, last month. Yeah, it was, it was even more virtual than, than normal. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right, because it was, it was pre-recorded. It was pre-recorded, yeah. And uh, we did a show where we um, focused on a few things, but started off with our tip of the week from Toby and the Point and Click Research Desk talking about the amazing array of resources available from the Mendocino County Library System. Um, the show is still um, on the KZOAX website. It's actually, I just looked, it's not on the library website anymore. Okay. Um, but if you go to the search engine of your choice and do a search for something like KZYX point and click library, uh, you'll get to the uh, you'll get to the archive page that the station set up. Now, Jim, but in short, Jim, they, fantastic. Jim, they had that they they had that um, link for the um, for the archive on the library website. It was a rotating banner, so I hope you right. look, looked at it for more than a second or two because it's that's true. It, that's, it, that's a good. It point. did switch. I know you're still, I know you're a busy guy, there. but you have to give it a couple seconds because it you know it's it's like a, a picture gallery, and one of them was the 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 news. You are that. right. My friend, yes. If you go to mendolibrary.org and wait more than uh, a second and a half, <laughs> exactly, or click the little left or right arrows, you'll get a you'll get a um, yeah, you'll get uh, very easy access to the archive to the show. It's still there. Um, in any case, uh, we based on the feedback that we got, uh, the very positive feedback that we got about that show, we decided to uh, to um, focus in on local internet resources in the tip of the week segment that Toby does. Uh, there is, of course, the internet is worldwide, but the web is also, and the internet are also very local. And there are a lot of interesting local angles here in Mendocino County that, um, that, that deal with the web and the internet. And of course, the great array of resources from the library is one of, uh, is one of them. Um, but there's more and uh, that's what Toby's going to talk about. Um, in the realm of, and it seems kind of distressingly appropriate in this ridiculously warm, dry winter that we're having, um, emergency services yes. and resources available through the uh, through the through the through the web that deal with um, the Mendocino County the Office of Emergency Services. Over to you at the Point and Click Research Desk, Toby. Uh, they have uh, a lot of online resources, and I thought we might talk about them a little bit today. Um, uh, I'm not going to uh, give you the URL. Just go to the search engine of your choice, Mendocino County Office of Emergency Services Resources, and you will find uh, the page very quickly. Um, and they have a host uh, of, of uh, resources on that page, uh, starting with uh, current emergencies, and mm. that's at mendoready.org. And uh, they, it's sort of a one-stop shop for preparedness and emergency information, 
um, whether you're just checking for uh, you know, current hazards or you're getting prepared for um, the upcoming uh, season, uh, whatever that season may be, yeah. um, or you're an experienced volunteer and uh, you have a plan and a disaster kit and all that stuff, uh, mendoready.org is a great resource. They have uh, information like wildfire cameras. Um, there's a map, and you'll see little camera icons. You can click on them, and they'll show you uh, current uh, uh, status of any of those cams. Uh, current emergencies, there's the sheriff's Twitter stream, there's uh, Mendo Alert and Nixley feed, um, road closures, utility interruptions, school closures, and also evacuation zones. Um, it's a great idea to familiarize yourself with this now. Right. When you don't need it, and you can casually look at it and know where to find what information. Um, so, mendoready.org. Uh, there's a lot here. Yeah, there is a lot uh, there. Um, there's also uh, emergency notifications and alerts that you can uh, uh, sign up for. And um, uh, that's called Mendo Alert. And it allows you to opt in to receive notifications uh, via phone or text or email um, and based on your location. Mm. Um, you can choose to uh, receive notifications about events that may affect your home, your workplace, your family schools, your kids' schools, and more. Uh, you'll be asked to provide contact info, phone, email, cell phone, that sort of thing, depending on how you want to get your notifications and your addresses for the system so they uh, know when to contact you for what kinds of emergencies. Um, you can also register uh, multiple addresses. That's something I've done. I have, through Nixley, which is a different system, uh, I have uh, registered for notifications where my parents are, my sister is, oh, yeah. my good friends are, and where oh, my that's work a, is. That's a great idea. Yeah. So I have been known to receive notifications because they're not signed up and oh. forward them to them and say, hey. <laughs> look out Look out your window. Do you see? This thing is happening. Exactly. See any smoke? Just landing in yeah. your yard. And I have to say it has happened to me that I'm in the grocery store and I heard a crazy sound that I thought was coming from elsewhere and I realized it was coming out of my pocket because a friend of mine that I had, their their location was having a tornado warning. <laughs> and oh so God. I was getting the warning on my phone. Uh, and so that's something to keep in mind that you may get these uh, warnings and it may not be for your location if you sign up for those. So things. does it have a distinctive sound when it, when the alarm goes off? The tornado one does. Oh, <laughs> Very yeah, distinct. Does. Yeah. Um, the others are just uh, regular texts. I mean, I haven't received anything. I haven't received a tsunami warning, for example. I'm sure there are other types of natural disasters right. that have very alarming and immediate hey pay attention to me um type of we had something like that recently well oh, that, last year yeah, when that, that, yeah. that 6.2 that happened uh, what was that uh like late december yeah we're, we had signed i can't remember what the service was we'd signed up for it and we got it just about four seconds before it happened where was yeah. the epicenter on that one do you remember was it was, I think, it was like around that triple junction area, yeah. you know, just offshore from Ferndale. Yeah. Um, we up, had uh, just long enough to look at each other. <laughs> last year, last, last year when there was that horrible wildfire, the Hopkins fire that took down half of Calpella, you know, which is just north yeah. of Ukiah. Um, 
I got an evacuation text on my phone because it was from the local emergency, you know, warning. Uh, and I got the evacuation text. Luckily, the boundary, the northmost boundary for the evacuation was the county road that runs in front of where my property is. So I was wow. just north wow. of where the mandatory evacuation was. If I had been south of that road, I would have been directed to evacuate because of the potential of that wow. fire spreading. But but the system works. It was good because, uh, you know, I just, uh, I got on extra high alert anyway, even though we didn't have to evacuate. I just, uh, you know, wanted, sure. to, wanted to keep uh, tabs on, on the progress of that. It was, it was a scary bit of uh, time back then. You know, the, the Mendo Alert, um, the, the word Mendo Alert is actually a great way to do your search engine uh, search to get to the um, County uh, Office of Emergency Services and the preparedness and resources page. If you just go to the search engine of your choice and search for Mendo Alert, all one word, Mendo Alert, um, you'll get there. That's a nice, easy, quick Minimally, minimal amount of typing way to get to and the... Uh, folks may wonder what's the difference between Mendo Alert and Nixley. Yeah. And um, so Mendo Alert is the primary system used to notify the county. So if you're going to do one or the other, Mendo Alert probably is the way to go. Mm. However, um, a few years ago, Mendocino County integrated Mendo Alert and Nixley, um, at, which allows users to register for both. Yeah. Um, so you can receive messages on both platforms, which I do. I am over-notified. Over-notified. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, something is going on, you not know Not to miss any of those notifications. And mm. and those, um, and the kinds of notifications you would receive through one or both of those platforms um, would be um, you know, severe weather, flooding, gas leaks, police activity, that sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I've really found it to be very, very useful, both of them, both Mendo Alert and Nixley. It makes so much sense in this part of the world. The other thing that fits into that whole package is if you use Waze for driving, because a lot of times if there's stuff happening on the highway, you know, like a uh, gasoline truck exploding or something, That'll yes, come sir. up on ways too, and if if you're right there on the road, um, it gives you an immediate warning of, of of anything that's coming up. You know, car on the shoulder slowing down traffic, uh, a crash working. You know, police traffic only going in one direction or something like that. That's a good a good thing to have just for for checking on that sort and of. By the way, Nixley is N is a Nancy I X L E. Yes. This is a weird non-word. Yes. <laughs> it totally is a non-word. Who made that up? <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, Nixley is a great uh, tool for um, keeping track of loved ones who are not Mendocino County or friends or, or whatever, your your office, your you know, the main office you may work remotely or whatever. Sure. Uh, it's a great way to keep um, apprised of what's going on with others. Good stuff. Um, and also there's a lot of preparedness um, information um, to uh, there's a, a know your hazards section that tells you how to identify hazards in your area um, along with recommended actions that's a good just overview to have a peek at and just look over and then there's the plan and prepare yeah. section that helps you put together kits and what you should have ready for each of the um, for any um severe weather, et cetera. So it's, there's so much there. Um, if you just go to the resources for the, um, 
Mendocino County Office of Emergency Services. There's a whole list and lots of links. And uh, you can often get to, you know, you'll get to some areas, you know, the multiple places are linked. Uh, just you'll kind of go down the water hole and there's information about a drought and saving water, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's very, very deep. And a lot of energy has really been put into the information. So I recommend that now when you're not panicked and you can absorb the information or make yourself some lists or get some information onto your phone in case of uh, a real emergency, you would have it on hand. Yeah, the, um, the, the mental alert site, the drought information takes you over to the Mendocino County uh, Water Agency website, which where you can read the, um, the newsletters that they come out with, the water agency newsletter listing the certain, uh, st- certain uh, current status of the, uh, of the drought. And there's even a link to a, um, a, 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 a resource where you can report dry wells and even get potential state funding for, uh, to, to, to address that. So, um, Hopefully, a lot of us still have a reasonable amount of water from the storms that we had in October and in December, but judging by the way the year has unfolded so far, um, it's certainly safe to be water safe and to, uh, to keep tabs on the, on the, on the state of the Those water supply. Those newsletters are surprisingly interesting. They not really surprisingly, are. but they are interesting. They yeah. are, yeah. yeah. Indeed, yeah. it's definitely not too early to start thinking about conserving water and uh, I have a whole bunch of different routines I do in the summer because I, I hand water the, the vegetable garden and stuff like that to try to conserve water. But yeah, I have the- I have a demand hot water heater that takes about five minutes to get the water up to shower temperature. Yeah, I'm in there with those five gallon white plastic buckets. Uh, so we, we did the, the same, same thing. thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The no watering cans. Yeah, yeah. yeah you have to as do soon that. As the water's hot. We yell upstairs. Okay, it's safe to take a shower. <laughs> safe to take a shower. Using water. Yeah. <laughs> but this is the time of year when you know talking about emergency preparedness you know we're also exhausted after fire season or fire season never actually ends but yeah you know after the summer it's sort of this breather and and it's very easy to you get yourself all wound up and you get yourself you know prepared and then you finally have this breather during the winter yeah um and who wants to talk about this stuff but now's the time when you're not under um you're not stressed when you're not under pressure when things aren't you know potentially going sideways to get yourself ready get some information uh, and get ready for the upcoming season so that you feel a little bit less um, urgent about taking care of these things when, when they might be more yeah. um, more right. immediate. Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. Hey, you mentioned names, and uh, what was it, Nixie? I just have Nixley. a... Nixley. Nixley, that's right. Um, I just found this great site. I want to tell everybody about it. It's just a little sidebar uh, for something I'm fascinated with. I'm fascinated with names. I'm always naming things and... Uh, appreciating names. This woman, um, Laura Wattenberg, founded um, a website called uh, Baby Name Wizard. No, her book, her net book is called Baby Name Wizard, and she had a site called, um, I think it was babynamewizard.com. It's it's closed down because somebody bought it and and didn't didn't maintain it. But she has a new site, and it isn't just about baby names, although it's really interesting to study the the long-term trends in baby names and she's got name name data going back to like the 1200s wow you know i mean uh like the name john and mary were really big back in (laughs) back in 1200 in england 
But the site is called Namerology, N-A-M-E-R-O-L-O-G-Y dot com. And she writes great articles on on things like, uh, you know, what what's interesting about names and and the changes it's really interesting to see the um it's like studying tree ring growth to me to watch the progression of naming uh you know popularity of baby names because that's that's a that's metadata that's coming from a very interesting source you know it's probably influenced by by so many factors that to see what it all kind of converges in and how people actually name their their new children is 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 uh, is really interesting. Anyway, cool. namerology dot com. She does fun things like um, pick a name, a baby name of the year. And last year it was Delta, <laughs> which is actually a real name. That's a that's a, wow. a name, but it was also the name that they assigned to the the um, fourth variation of the uh, um, SARS. COVID, what was it, SARS, whatever the official name was. The, the co- virus. The COVID virus. That <laughs> virus. The virus. That virus, yeah. And and it was named after a Greek letter to be um, culturally neutral. Right, right. Or right. at least as close as you can get. Anyway, numerology. The airline um, people did not did not approve. So um, do, are, we, are we done with um, emergency re- uh, resources? Anything else of interest? Uh, no, that's from the, it. From the this, research desk? This, from the research desk this time around, Mendocino County Office of Emergency Services, online resources or resources. Um, just have a peek. You end up going down the rabbit hole. There's a lot there. Probably the easiest place to find it is to just do a search for the for, for the word. It's not a word, but pretend it is. Mendo Alert, all one word. Or MendoReady.org. Or, or, or MendoReady.org. Right, right, right. That's a good place to start to sign up for notifications if you haven't already. It really is good to sign up for those notifications, especially yeah. if you have a mobile device that's in your pocket all the time and uh, you want to get those alerts of, of, uh, of alerts, alerts about sure. alerts. Yeah. Toby Molina from the Point and Click Research Desk. Thank you, as always. We'll see you next time with uh, with with another interesting look at local oriented internet goodness. News of the local. Yes. News of the gentlemen. local. I like that. <laughs> www.local. This is Point and Click Radio, the biweekly computer show with uh, yours truly, Jim Hyde and Bob Lawton and Toby Molina at the Point and Click Research Desk. And Bob, we were talking before the show about that library resources show that we did, and you said you had a couple of addenda. I have some a, other cool, some interesting, interesting addenda. Digital library goodness. Yes. First of all, one thing about the Mendo Library is it's actually part of a cooperative library system that's Mendocino County, Sonoma County, and Lake County. So when you go online, if you walk into your local library, all the books are, you know, the books that are owned by the Ukiah Library or the Fort Bragg Library or the Willits Library. But if you go online, a lot of times uh, Sonoma County or Lake County will have one copy of that one book you were looking for that the Mendocino County system doesn't have, but it's all pooled together. And when you search the catalog, it's the combined cooperative system catalog. And so um, you have a lot of um, options there for um, for finding the the stuff you want uh, online. Yeah. So it's it's a really good idea to hit the um, the online version of the catalog first. Also, for people with slow connections, when you go to mendolibrary.org and go to the search button that brings you up to the search screen, if you have a slow connection. Over on the right, they have a version of the search portal, uh, the library catalog search uh, page, 
has a low-speed version that doesn't populate the screen with all the cover art and stuff like that. So you can actually, uh, you know, if you're still on dial-up or or have, uh, you know, creaky internet, you can uh, just make that your uh, default homepage. And if you bookmark that, it'll automatically go to the low-speed catalog. And I use that all the time because I don't I don't care about the uh, all the covers of the uh, you know, the new releases and stuff like that. I'm just usually looking for a book I heard about on NPR or something like that. You know, hey, or, yeah. hey. and that's pretty handy. The other thing is also you're not limited f- with digital media to to the lending institution. It doesn't only have to be from our local area. There are um, cities in California that will issue a full fledged library card to any resident of the state. And I, I know for a fact San Bernardino and I think San Francisco does that. And they have their own collections. So That's really cool. You can um, now, I believe in some cases, um, you can apply online, but you actually have to p- pick up the card in person because they want to and show them a driver's license or other, you know, personal hmm. ID. They want to see that you're really you and not just some um, scam artist, you know. Um, right. But you can apply for the card online, and uh, I think in the case of San Francisco, you can actually, once you have your card approved, go into any of their branches, and they'll just look it up in the system and, and print, you know, hand you over a card right there in whatever branch, so you don't have to go to the main downtown branch. Yeah. And they have a lot of uh, good digital assets, uh, you know, movies, music, um, online courses, uh, newspapers, magazines. I think you guys covered all that on the, on the Yeah, on the it's, other so, show. it's so it's cool. mind-boggling. It's, so, it's mind-boggling. It's like happily overwhelming. It's like it's like wandering into a library and well, yeah. all these fantastic things that are surrounding you that you can that you can read and learn about and and at, at you know at no charge because it's supported by your taxes and yes. uh, and other organizations and their and book sales. <laughs> right, right, and book sales, yeah. And another uh, another take on that also um is you don't even actually have to get, go to a library to get some of these um, materials. There's a great site that I just found today called, um, what was it called? I have it right here. <laughs> it's called uh, straightebooks.com. I'm pretty sure that's the name. Let me check. Um, standard, I'm sorry, standard ebooks. The uh, site is called Standard Ebooks, the word standard and ebooks altogether.org. And this is a volunteer site where people painstakingly put together books that are in the public domain, you know, mm. books by Tolstoy, Edgar Allan Poe, uh, books that people still read. And they're really proud of the formatting and the curation they put. They have standards for the cover art and the typography and everything. So it's a good ebook reading experience and you can download ebooks. I think they have it set up so that you can read them on your portable device, on your desktop, on your, um, uh, what is the Amazon, the Kindle, the Amazon Kindle. Kindle right. Yeah. All those standard readers. And, um, it's, it's really fascinating because it's an open source library basically for, for, um, ebooks. And how do you get, how do you get to it again? 
standard standardebooks.org just go to their website standardebooks.org yeah yeah very cool and i also know that there's places where people uh, do volunteer reading of books and have free audiobooks if you just yeah. google up free audiobooks you can find stuff now there i don't know what quality and quality controls they have and you know what the experience is like but yeah. you know i think uh, like a lot of sites that offer these you can listen to a sample you can listen to right. a sample of the book and decide if you if you like the way that it sounds. And um, it, Project Gutenberg is another big library right. of free ebooks. Right, but I'm not sure how consistent the quality of their offerings is. They have a lot of stuff that's just in plain text. If if you love plain text right. like I do, you can read War and Peace in um, you know in Courier. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly courier type or something like that but anyway yeah, that's, a, that's a gutenberg.org one more thing to tie all this together there i just also discovered this today there is a great browser plugin um that um will let you search the collections of multiple libraries so if you do have if you do have a, a mendocino county library card and you get yourself a um san francisco or san bernardino library card or something like that there's a browser plugin called library extension easily discover books and ebooks available at your local library or they have um they can tap into five something like five thousand supported libraries and library systems and search for a title with this browser extension and it'll show if your chosen libraries that you that you plug into this have it in their collection and apparently oh. you can actually just go right through the extension and 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 put a hold on the book or check it out if it's available oh that's dreamy so that really saves a lot of time from jumping back and forth i know i spent a lot of time going to like three or four or five different search uh features in the different um uh, you know, apps that have ebooks and, and audiobooks and stuff like that, trying to find the, you know, chase, chasing around that one missing copy that, that is not on hold or something like that. Yeah. But yeah. I haven't tried this yet, but it sounds pretty good. Just in the browser of your choice, go search for, go to your extensions, uh, menu and search for library extension. Very cool. Yeah. They have it for Chrome, Firefox, and the Edge browser. Probably for Safari too, I would imagine. I love how libraries are uh, have have evolved with the times. Are taking advantage of the fact that you know not only have so much media gone digital with everything from digital books, ebooks to um, audio and video, and just the convenience of being able to search card catalogs. And although I miss the old school catalogs and, uh, and, and reserve books and things like that um, from the comfort of your own web browser or even your mobile device, I think it's really, really cool. Um, okay, Jim. Great. If you really want to see one of those old time oak card catalogs of the pull out drawers, yeah. they repurposed them. You know what they have them for now? <laughs> what the uh seed libraries you know they, oh they have well, a, that makes me happy that was the thing that i think delighted toby the most <laughs> in that show that we did last yeah month. yeah in, in ukiah they took one of their big old you know tall uh oak card catalogs stripped out all the hardware that held the cards in place and they use it for seed packets you know people uh, awesome. people volunteer they they raise seeds and and donate them to the library the, they have some funds to buy seeds to have available and yeah. uh, i think you did did you mention um in that show about the um 
the online uh, seed list that they have. You can actually yeah. brow- browse the different seeds. Yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's fantastic. But the seeds are in a oak. <laughs> That's perfect. A white oak, well-made, you know, heavy-duty library card catalog, but now it's full of seeds, which is great. Because you can't digitize you can't. a seed. <laughs> You'll Not never, yet. Not yet. No, no, no. <laughs> I know that's funny. Hey, let's open the phone lines, Jim. We um, managed to make it all the way through January without taking a single phone call because <laughs> the exactly. shows were virtual. But uh, give us a call eight nine five two four four eight if you have a question or a comment. I know people have been calling in; they've been patient. Let's just get right onto the phones here and and hear what people have to say. Okay. Hi, you're on the air. Well, thanks for taking my call. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, uh, yeah, it's great. It's uh, point and click times three. It's uh, always a joy. Thank you, Barbara. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, and uh, let's see. Uh, one of the first topics was be uh, preparedness, and I think one of the topics there would be uh, what your evacuation vehicle is going to be and the state of uh, condition of the battery in that vehicle. So mm. that car that you're going to be your truck or RV that you're going to be evacuated in needs a, a top-notch battery. It can't be three or four years old. It should be a fresh battery, and that would allow you quite a bit of autonomy in terms of charging devices and communicating and helping your world out if that uh, that case ever does come. So I, I'm really, a lot of local parts houses, you can bring your car there and say, hey, my battery's all gross and ugly. I want a new one, and uh, they'll come out and assist you with that, too. So anyway, that's that's a great point. Oh, that's that's a wonderful idea, especially if you say, "Oh my God, we have to evacuate because there's a wildfire." Let's get yeah. in. Let's get in the RV and drive that away. You know. Yeah, or if you had a flat tire and you're out on a road and you're there for three hours, if you have a fresh battery, you can do amazing things with it. If you don't have a fresh battery, uh, your car is probably hurting. You're overtaxing your charging system. All the electronics that drive your engine. Are going to be uh, compromised. So if it's if it's uh, you know three or four years, let's just go get a new one, a uh, hundred plus bucks, and you're uh, you know it's, it's a good it's a, a great feel good thing. It is. Yeah. It, it, great it, point. Yeah. Thanks. That's a yeah. great that's a great tip. Well, and, and back on the internet, the local internet issue. I understand that uh, SpaceX is down forty satellites now because of uh, the interference of the sun. I wonder if you guys could articulate on that a little bit and, and uh, explain what uh, the physics and technology and how and if it affected those satellites where else does it stand during that period i'm i'm, uh, I'm all ears and uh, ready to listen yeah that's an interesting story um yeah this is the uh, SpaceX. Hang up. thank you okay thanks okay, for calling great. thank you for the call and this is point and click radio by the way on kzyx mendocino county Public Broadcasting in Philo with Bob and yours truly, Jim Hyde. And um, Bob's in Ukiah and Willits also. That too. KZYX uh, NZ. Yes, uh, the um, SpaceX, uh, the Starlink uh, is that satellite, that brand new kind of state-of-the-art satellite system uh, launched by uh, the SpaceX Corporation where it's comprised of a couple of thousand now with many, many more to come, uh, low-Earth orbiting satellites that 
solve a lot of the problems inherent in satellite internet systems of the past. It's much faster, much more responsive, much more reliable. We have it here and we really, really, really like it a lot. Um, they are still building out the constellation of satellites that involves very frequent launches on those amazing reusable rockets that land themselves and usually launching between 50 and 60 or 70 satellites at a time. Well, <clears throat> earlier this month, they launched 49 satellites. And when they do a launch, they first, you know, release the, uh, the fairing of the rocket and the batch of satellites goes off and floats in, into space. They're not at their final altitude. They are not at station is, is the term for it. They're still on the low side. And it takes them a couple of months with these teeny little ion thrusters that the rockets have, or that the satellites have, for them to get into their final station orbit. Well, that makes them more vulnerable <laughs> when they're at that relatively low altitude. And um, just a few days after the launch, there was a large geomagnetic storm, a storm on the sun, which happens, of course, all the time. And... When that happens, that causes the Earth's atmosphere to expand a little bit. And when it expands, then satellites that are particularly low, ones that are not at their final orbiting altitude, suffer because that the expanded atmosphere causes more drag. All of a sudden, those satellites aren't in outer space anymore. They're in, <laughs> they're in the atmosphere. And that caused 40 of the 49 satellites that were in this latest launch to deorbit is the painful um, technical term if you're the person who's writing the check for them. Um, it roughly, it, it's estimated that it costs, um, uh, it will cost SpaceX about $100 million in losses. For those 40 um, satellites that... Those 40 satellites that... Why don't, they uh, just, why don't they just go up higher to, to release them? Why do they have to make them... The poor little I things, they have know. to have their ion thrusters <laughs> throbbing know. away to get up there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I imagine that all has to deal with... Um, Rocket science. Rockets. Oh, that's it. It's rocket science. <laughs> it is science. indeed rocket science, man. Yes. And it's, uh, you know, how high you know, the booster goes and where it re when it releases satellites. And somebody somebody forgot to add sun to their weather app. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It probably right. could have been predicted, you know, if they had been paying attention. <laughs> yeah. And I'm actually looking at an article, this, the uh, New York Times did a really nice detailed science-y article about it. Um, and it says that it's a possible that more solar outbursts will knock some of these new deplo newly deployed satellites out of the sky. The sun has an 11-year long cycle in which it oscillates between hyperactive and quiescent states. Presently, it is ramping up to its peak, which has been forecast to arrive at about 2025. See, I think and, and radio I, operators out there will can can relate to that. There's well, in the ham I know. Radio. I really think There's somebody forgot. Like, I think somebody sun spot, spend spot peak. That's when you can get TV stations from other cities. And <laughs> oh yeah, but I, Jim, I think somebody really forgot to write that in their business plan to do a deal with this <laughs> solar weather. Yeah. You know, I mean that that that's that's a thing. We got calls. Let's go back to the okay. phones. All right, and I want to thank that first caller for the advice about the battery. Your car battery is the last thing you think of 
until it goes dead <laughs> you know yes. but in these times you, you that's one of the things you don't want to have go dead if you're trying to evacuate or there's some other other issue you know it's just a good yeah. idea to keep a fresh battery you know just put it on your calendar hi you're on point and click hi um oh, yeah with your last thing that you were talking about uh just reminded me and made me think of the whole thing about the uh, 5G causing problems with, uh, I guess, is it air traffic control at airports? Yeah. Anyway, causing problems with airports. And see, and, and then like the thing with the satellites. I just wonder, because I'm in my 60s, okay? So I've been watching this stuff happen for decades, many decades. And these brilliant people that come up with these brilliant ideas and then manufacture these brilliant things, um, the stuff that they're missing is always something like the sun or the wind or the animals or the plants or the water or the earth. Um, And when a problem is noticed... Now, see, in the science community and the technology community, the problems that get noticed are the scientific technological problems. A good scientific mind would go, okay, now we get a brilliant idea, we uh, bring it into uh, actuality and use it, and then later we find out what the problems are may or may not be, like with nuclear energy, et cetera. Sure. Um, And then, but how many other problems aren't even on their radar yet? And it just seems like a really dangerous and illogical way to proceed. Yes. The thing is, by that time, you've got stockholders and you've got Wall Street banks behind it. And you've got the need to turn, uh, you know, to meet Wall Street expectations. And then it just becomes all about the money. I mean, companies, I know. companies so at like. At what point or points does the cautionary principle need to actually be inserted? Well, I'd say January 6th will be a good date to, to start on that. <laughs> that would have been a good day to implement before it goes into manufacture and before it goes to wall street those would be two really key places the whole 5g thing the whole 5g thing with respect to airplanes was particularly surprising to me because um that's not rocket science no (laughs) the fact that the, the fact that the telecommunications companies um uh, purchased access to this particular spectrum of, of radio frequencies that is also used by altimeters on airplanes. Didn't anybody think of that? I mean, don't people on in the telecommunications business also fly or have engineers who know about how the frequencies that they're bidding on is used? Um, that, to me, was a particularly kind of shocking, sloppy um, uh, piece of... Decision making. You know, well, my brother was a brilliant things. chip designer. In fact, he was so brilliant, they ended up. They uh, he was too much of a perfectionist, so they ended up finally having him just be like a troubleshooter. 
but he worked in that industry um, uh, for decades and decades. In fact, he was on the team when they when they first made that big uh, leap, exponential leap in the amount of. Uh, mm, see, I'm not one of those people. Uh, bits of information that could fit in a certain amount of space. Sure. Anyway, he was a genius when he was a little kid. He was taking apart oscilloscopes when he was like 10 years old. But anyway, and but he worked in that industry, and what he told me at different times is it is so um, typical, I guess. Anyway, but there's all these different teams that are assigned to work on all these different parts of the project, this one, and then it gets passed on to the next one. And then because of the, I guess, partly because of the um, how often it changes so they can keep selling people new versions of stuff. Sure. Um, the time uh, being on schedule is more important to the, to the big bosses than having things be right. That's why they end up putting him on troubleshooting. And they basically figured, you know... Uh, you know, and everybody wanted a feather in their cap, so every little team, their priority was to get their part of the project passed on by the scheduled time. And then, and then the, the overall philosophy was, well, if there's a problem, uh, you know, it won't turn up. It'll turn up at the consumer level after they've already paid for it, the stockholders have made money, we've made money. And by then, we'll have the new version anyway. Right, This is right. how the industry operates. Yes, I know. We have other calls coming in, but you've real brought up a really, really good point, and I th thank you for reemphasizing that. That okay. it really, it is, you know, as much as these devices are part of our lives, it's a business. Hey, thanks for that call. Um, it's a business, and um, that's how we get the stuff in our hands. We pay for it by somebody who's willing to take the risk to manufacture it and come up with something that hopefully actually works. And, of course, there's going to be flaws in it. Um, let's go back to the phones. We have more callers. Hi, you're on Point and Click. Hi, I have a more down-to-earth question. Okay. And it, concern, it, it concerns email. Um, I, I gave up on on. Things like Yahoo and Gmail, oh, at least five years ago, and I I went with the um, for fee email, and uh, the one I selected worked out fine. Um, but I have at least one, maybe two friends who I can't receive their emails, um, and I was swapping emails with one of these fellows, and um, I was messing around with the settings, and anyway, I ended up uh, so that no one could. Send the emails. They would get a five four one code, which basically is you're blocked. Um, I, anyway, uh, I, I missed who you said you got as an email provider. Who is it? It, it was it was um, it was called Simple Online Solutions, and uh, they they do a, a okay job. But um, as I was working my way through this problem, um, they aren't they don't have the servers that actually do the accept the email. They just have the, the they put the program on my computer. I I put that on, and that's what they control. And then it goes from there to the uh, server online, who basically shoves it somewhere else, and da 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 da. But anyway, um, I started to research. Well, what could I what could I do? How should I proceed? And I ran into a morass. And it appears that if you're looking for this kind of for fee 
email provider, you're really interested in having encryption and all that sort of stuff. Sure. And I'm re- I'm re- really just interested in a provider that not only has the um, the program for my computer, but they also have uh, they run the the um, server that actually takes my email from my computer and then pushes it towards somebody else's server. Yeah, that's, so, the, that's called the outgoing mail server. And the closer that is to your home, the more reliable it's going to be as long as the, you know, as long as it's up and running. Where do you live? What, what town do you live in? I, I live in Idaho. Um, oh, good and, heavens. I, <laughs> I can't recommend, I, I can't recommend a local provider in Idaho, but, um, you know, like in, here in, in Ukiah, we've got a couple of ISPs, Internet Service Providers. And Jim, does um, MCN still do uh, personal MCN, email accounts? I think you can get an email-only um, account for something like $5 a month or, you know, it's, yeah. it's very reasonable. Yeah, but that and, and in that case... ORG. In that case... Course, that's local to, to California. Yeah, but in that case, MC, uh, MCN is the host of that service. And when people email, like the caller, if you got an account there... It would hit their server, and then he would access it over whatever internet provider he had, right? Either through a browser or a mobile device or something like that. But it would go log into MCN, and MCN would not be the the um, entity providing his online connectivity, but they would have the server where he could retrieve his email. If I if I'm correct on how that works, um, yeah, that's that's correct. I mean, color, you could always look for local Internet providers in your area and look into, I mean, chances are you probably have multiple or at least one free inbox uh, mailbox that is included with whatever inter- Internet service you're getting your Internet from right now. Or your mobile phone service. Well, let, me, let, me, let me just break in here and... and and I'll lay out how I see the problem occurring. The Simple Online Solutions, my provider, um, does not handle the remote server. So um, if it's giving a, a, a 541 error code or whatever error code is to someone who's trying to send me an email, they can't do anything about it. And it sort of um, falls into the, the problem for the person who's trying to send me the email. And that kind of seems like oh, there's a problem that that's, I don't think my friend is necessarily going to work too hard at solving the problem. If I want the email, I should probably try and solve the problem myself. So it strikes me that I really want to be chatting with the person who not only has the program on my computer, but also is the remote server so that they can kind of see what the problem is and see if they can correct it. Okay. And what you're, te- what you're telling me is, is, a local provider may be in that position. Well, that I, would, I would say for, for now, um, go to whoever you're paying for your email service and go to their tech support department and have them figure out why it's not working. The- I, 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 I did that, and, and um, they were, you know, modestly helpful, but, but it was, you know, it, it was, they don't provide the, the server. They, they, that's not their... Well, who, part of the deal. Who does provide? Whoever's providing the server is getting paid for your emails, one way or another. Right. They should right. be but able. Then to... I, ha- I have to. I have to contact that that server, and that strikes me as, as being difficult um, at best. Yeah. So it. 
I don't know. We have a like a configuration problem on your end. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to just hard to imagine how. Well, it could be every other server out there would be acting up for you alone. But Jim, it could it could be getting it could be getting blacklisted at the at the server. That that is that is that is the the notion. But it's curious that you know I get emails from everybody else, and but except from two two individuals who they can't seem to get it through and it doesn't come back with a five for one Erico, which is blacklisted or right. basically that, that end of yeah, thing. Recipient rejected. Yeah. Right. Blocked. Yeah. It just, it, well, it's actually, a, it's, you can resubmit it and it may go through again. It's just been rejected for whatever reason. Um, and it may go through again, but it, then again, it may not. So right. it, it be, kind of becomes that the person who's sending me the problem, sending me the email, the problem. And that's like, uh, they're not going to work too hard at solving the problem, and I yeah. think I should be the one you know, solving the in a, problem. In a situation like this, where there's multiple multiple parties, there's so many moving parts that it's it's hard to diagnose, especially over the phone. And yeah, we yeah, we yeah. have another call coming in, so we're we're going to uh, stop it here. But thanks for the call. Yeah, that kind of problem is. Yeah, it's hard. Hi, you're on the air. Hello, caller. Hi. Yeah, you're on the air now. Hi. Oh, okay. Um, hi, thanks for a very interesting show. And um, you talked earlier about emergency preparedness, and I know I'm sure you mentioned in other shows that there is uh, a webpage people could access called Hubs and Routes. Oh, yes. And it is a community resource hubs and alternate uh, rescue routes throughout Mendocino Coast Healthcare District. And this webpage has um, nine different, you know, sub-chapters. One is really interesting. It's called Islands and Public Hubs Map. So in case any of the bridges go down or any of the roads are flooded or some other emergency like a tsunami or earthquake, it's good to know, you know, where to go to and, and how to help uh, our neighbors and how to get help from neighbors. There is actually a little video um, in English and Spanish. They keep working on this web page, so it's a really cool tool that you probably are aware of, but maybe not you're, all you're your absolutely listeners. Right. Thank you so much for mentioning that. Yes, you can you can access that, and as, as you mentioned, it's particularly valuable to um, to coasties to us coasties. Um, but if you go, it's uh, you can get to it at hubsandroots.net, um, or just right. go to the search engine of your choice and and search for the words hubs and roots r o u t e s r o u t e s yes hubs and roots um, and that will get you to hubsandroots.net. But um, there's a really interesting kind of Q and A of how it all works, how the you know how to think about the, the the hubs, and it looks lists kind of alternate rescue routes where um, if there's a flood or a bridge failure or a or a, or a um, or a tree across the road, or whatever the emergency might be, what kind of um, alternate routes you uh, you might uh, use. Then, if you're new to the area, it's really useful to uh, do some exploring on this site to get that kind of um, uh, to kind of internalize that information so that you can you know hopefully not have to apply it, but so that you can apply it if you have to. Yeah. 
Um, I also um, very much enjoyed the discussion about, um, you know, issues with the satellites or uh, with 5G around the airports. And one of the things that's very interesting is uh, the U.S and Japan, um, as far as radioactivity is concerned, they're way, way stronger when you're dealing with 5G than it is anywhere else in the world. So that's also an, an added problem that we're having here and probably in Japan as well. So How so? How, how does the radioactivity and the 5G relate, relate to... Uh, the, are you talking about the signal strength of the 5G? Yeah. Mhm. Yeah, that's interesting because there's actually two flavors of 5G, the uh, urban flavor and the rural flavor, I guess. Right. You know, the what is it millimeter wave or is that what they call yeah, it? The rural flavor is 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 kind of very different and weaker than the than the than the than the kind that, you know, people in a slowly but growing number of urban areas are able to get that kind of crazy speed where they can yeah. you know, download a movie in a couple of seconds. Um, in, in our part of the world, we're not going to see that kind of 5G anytime soon, if ever. Um, if ever, Especially yeah. outside of the smaller, you know, uh, even, even you know, Ukiah, maybe. Um, I can't imagine it coming to the coast, maybe. But um, but the, the whole the, you know, the whole issue that we were talking about earlier was dealing with just the uh, not even the, the the strength of the signal or but but the specific frequency and the fact that um, it uh, in in some areas can um, potentially interfere. No, there's been no evidence that it has, but it's one of those precautionary principles that the airlines very smartly need to take. Um, that uh, there's a chance that certain 5G frequencies could interfere with altimeters, I think in some older planes. But I think there were some airlines that even said, like, yeah, we're not going to fly into, you know, a specific airport um, until, you know, until this is this is resolved. So, yeah, especially if you're flying a 747 MAX, that would be a real. <laughs> yeah, then you're, you're, you're doubling your pleasure. Real sandwich there. there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I also wanted to bring up uh, space junk. I don't know what your um, take is on that. I mean, we're having more and more junk out there because of all these satellites, and, you know, it's possible that some of this junk that's floating around, uh, because they're, they're falling apart over time, yeah, how that listen, is call affecting... Caller, that, that's a big topic, and we have another call coming in, so we're, okay. we're, we're going to leave Thank it there. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, uh, let's go back to the phones. I think, let's see, do I have a call here? Hi, caller, you're on the air. Well, that, that's a big topic, and we have another Hello. Hi. You did turn Hi, your, right? you, you turn turn your, your radio down. down. Yeah, turn your computer down, yes. <laughs> Hi. Hey, I have, um, I have a question uh, regarding iPhones. Okay. We only have a couple of minutes, so ask away. I know we we're we're cutting it close, but um, I had an iPhone six, and I got all this stuff, all pictures and and everything built up onto it, and then it kind of quit working. And so, is there a place 
where I can take my iPhone. Now I have a new iPhone. Is there a place I can take my iPhone to transfer all the stuff from my old ones and my new ones? Who's your service provider? Who who provides you with your cellular service? It's Verizon. You take it into the Verizon store. They'll they'll do the. Yeah. Complete. They should be able to do that at the Verizon, whatever the local Verizon store happens to be near you. I think they've got a machine where they put both phones in there, and it just slurps everything from your old one to your new one. There's actually a lot of no, automatic setup stuff with the iPhone, too. When you get a new phone, it will yes. actually ask you, do you want to transfer your stuff? And just it tells you to put the two phones close to each other, and it just kind of happens. Um, no, the, the, the Verizon gal is very rude, and she said, no, we can't do that. Uh, go in on a different day when there's somebody else there. I know <laughs> they can do it. I, I, I know they can do it. Yeah, we're out of time. Hey, good luck with that. Call back if you um, if you have a story to tell when you get it done. All right, thanks. Good night. Thanks for the call. Yeah. Good show, Jim. Covered a lot of territory here. Yes, indeed. I have one more quick, 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 quick tip for all the die-hard Mac heads out there. There's a great. This is great guy in England who was a. A naval, he was a naval doctor, and he actually wrote for Mac User UK magazine. And when they folded, he had a whole bunch of articles that he never got to post, so he started his own blog. Um, and um, it's called the Eclectic Light Company. Uh, yeah. If you go to eclecticlightcompany.com, Howard Oakley is his name, and it's a site dedicated to fixing your old Macs and painting. <laughs> if you like both those topics, this is your place. And um, if you don't like uh, one or the other, you know, just come for the Macs and for ignore the paintings, etc. But um, it's, it's, it's really good for people. He, he always reviews the new uh, operating systems and um, tells you, you know, what the pitfalls are about upgrading from one version of Mac to another. And uh, he's got a whole bunch of good stuff on there. Eclectic Light Company. Um, and it's at um, eclecticlight.co, not com. Eclectic Light, all one word, eclectic dot, eclecticlight.co. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM. KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM. And Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org. And consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.